best so far of all the visualizations. And yet, none of you is able to finish his training. Not one of you is able to project his own death. Don is very good at having other people die. Wasn't that your ring on the severed hand, Doctor? Ooh, Bill's just angry because you left him out of your dreams. <laughs> Attacked on prom night. An attacker who isn't sexually motivated. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Boy, my guest today, via Zoom, Chris Lambert, via my house, vaccination friends, high five. That was horrible, sorry. Yeah, it wasn't great. Let's try that one more time. Nice. Better. Piper Van Steenwick, live and in person. Medical science is a beautiful thing. Piper Van Steenwick, welcome to the Three Timers Club. Oh, yes, thank you. Chris has done, this will be number 10 for Chris, and in a couple Mm -hmm. weeks, number 11. Carrie has done nine, and I've had a couple people that have done two, mostly one. You're the first person to join the Three Timers Club. Sebastian will next week. Very nice. But you beat him to it, so. I feel proud. Our movie today, not starring Crystal Bernard. No, not this not time. Not this time. <laughs> but there are, sim- thematically, there are some similarities between, because our last movie we watched, Slumber Party Massacre 2, turns out to all be a dream. <sighs> Maybe, kind of, at the end. Maybe this one does. I don't know what the hell's going on in Nightwish from 1990. <laughs> an exercise in who gives a shit. Yes? Indeed. Yeah. Yes, Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, when I I searched Nightwish on Prime Video, the first thing that popped up was... The band. Nightwish, live at the Enmore Theater, and halfway through this movie, I wished I was watching a concert by a Finnish orchestral metal band. Did you Nightwish it? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, it's... Here's the issue. You can have dream sequences, you can have whatever, but... When literally everything in the movie did not happen, I cannot care. Right. There are zero stakes when the entire movie was a dream. Not one thing we see on screen. Perhaps Donna's dream at the beginning is real, and then everything after that is Linda's dream. But I think you could read it where even Donna's dream at the beginning is also part of Donna's or Linda's dream inside a dream inside a dream inside a dream. Like, and it's not Inception yeah. where there's stakes in the outside world. It means literally nothing because nothing actually happens <laughs> yeah it's a real problem on top of it and the being bad just bananas crazy and you can then write it off as well it's dream logic it doesn't matter well that's lazy writing then like you're just using that as an excuse to put whatever you want and you don't have to explain it. <laughs> and they did a really bad job of deciding if they were going to hide it or make it obvious because they jump back and forth between like no this feels really real and then like real change cuts like it's a grindhouse movie or something no i think that's just this is so cheap such a cheap and just forgotten badly movie edited <laughs> that when they went to transfer it to digital from the original source whoever was editing this together didn't yeah there's two real changes that you are visible on the screen yeah. as if it were a 35 millimeter film and i don't think that's on purpose i think they just missed it when they were editing and then went ah fuck it <laughs> i already spent an hour and a half on this i'm not going back <laughs> that's that does seem more likely yeah yeah what do you think well i definitely <laughs> paused it a half hour in and went 
God, there's still an hour left. <laughs> but I powered so through it. Yes. If anything, I appreciated the color scheme. <laughs> yeah, lots of green gels on lights. Yeah, hot pink. You would think that it should be obvious because, the, as your Zoom background <laughs> will report, the movie po the movie poster is like the girl floating in the tank with the, uh, yeah. the you know, what are, what are those things on? Electrodes, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the whole ass poster, so that... But that's, as far as we can tell, once you get into the movie, that the first, like, four minutes, and then we're off doing something else. So it sh you should, yeah. in your head, you should have went, okay, I see what's going on. But yeah, so and, I, and I... It's so insane that that's what's going on that it doesn't even cross your mind that, like, oh, we're going to come back to this. That's why it's so important they put it on the poster. It's, like, immediately forgotten. Yeah, and, like, the, the tagline on the poster is a incredibly stupid ripoff of Alien... And B, oh, just yeah. a dead giveaway, it's in your dreams, no one can hear you scream. Which, I mean, to have just a, we're doing a dream experiment in the first five minutes of the movie and never come back to it again, yeah, it makes it really obvious, yeah, uh, this whole thing is a dream. It's not like they go to the house that's supposed to be haunted and set up the tank and start doing dream experiments. Never happens. So... Yeah, it seems yeah. as if the dream experiments are introduced and then immediately forgotten. And, of course, they're actually vital to the entire thing. But <laughs> you get so caught up in the multiple... Oh, it's a demonic entity. Wait, no, it's nuclear mutation. Oh, no, it, there's aliens. Like, there's eight different explanations for what's going on, and they can't decide which one it is because it's all of them and none of them at the same time. Yeah, I had that thought many times where it was just... Yeah, I agree. The dream science was kicked out the window. First, they were dream science students. Now they're paranormal students. And this guy's a doctor, but he's a professor. But three quarters of the way in, you find out he's not... And then it's not real. It's very <laughs> back and forth. The aliens really never fully come into play. It's just three different subjects and it's trying exploding. for exploding we don't know what's hallucination and what's not i mean there's interesting things you could do with but again then you get to the end and it's all maybe not even linda's dream perhaps stanley's dream as yeah. <laughs> which so that's on a whole another layer of what the fuck so yeah just none of it means anything it's impossible to feel invested it's impossible to not feel cheated when you're done and go well i not that i cared about these characters anyway but if I had somehow become invested in these characters and then I find out that none of this mattered, you'd rip me off. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Uh, the movie opens. Donna is at a zombie party. I guess it's her prom. She's dreaming of her prom for some reason. But she's in like a like an evening gown and she comes out and she's seeing body parts laying around and someone is eating someone else and she runs. And it must be dream logic because this mansion is apparently right next to a loading dock, which most ma mansion owners <laughs> don't care for zoning laws and whatnot like keep the keep the loading dock away from my beautiful mansion <laughs> there's like people in a trailer just like looking at her as she's screaming and we have the green lighting which should be like a better film would be like the green is like a signal to you that like oh this is a dream but we have it through the entire movie mm -hmm. which i guess is a sign to us that the entire movie is a dream but but it's like it's like a that. fake out it's like a fake out sign because it, it the way they do it it's like okay when the green light shows up the person has slipped into a hallucination but that's not that's not even true <laughs> no they can't figure out their own rules for sure yeah it turns out she's just dreaming she's in a water tank what is the point of this tank top 
Can someone explain to me? Yeah, I was like... Yeah, she, she might as well just got in the tank naked because it's the thinnest wife-beater tank top ever. So she might as well not be wearing it well, once then it's she wet. F- she fully stands there naked anyway in front of everybody <laughs> and then the girl holds up the sheet to conceal her nudity. Like, what does it matter now? You yeah. just and showed it all. If you're that comfortable around your fellow grad students... And just your professor. Being, and professor being completely naked, why put that tank top on when you got in the water tank in the first place? Now that's just wet stuff you got to take off when you get out. <laughs> it's nonsense. <laughs> what a waste of time. The gist... I have a feeling it was because I, I when we pulled this one up, I remember I looked at the, the cover art and went, oh, I remember seeing this one on the shelves back in the 90s in the movie store as a kid. Hey. And no, I remember seeing no, this one this all one. the time and being one, wondering what it was. And it was probably that moment for, for every 90s kid that wanted to watch that movie going, you know, I bet there's there's boobies in that movie. And they just got it out of the way in the first three minutes. So I guess, but still. And then they sat there watching the rest of the next hour and a half, hoping for more. <laughs> Which they'll kind of get in a very odd scene. In but... a morbid kind of way. Um. The gist of what they're... I don't understand what this experiment is even trying to do. They're trying to control their dreams, like lucid dreaming style, which they seem to have figured out. But they're also trying to, quote, project their own death, which the only thing that I can figure this even means, because you have a room full of grad students monitoring what this person in the tank is dreaming, is that they're trying to dispel or prove the old wives' tale of if you die in your dream, you die for real. Right, which is, but they never say that. They don't so. say that. All they say is, none of you have been able to project your own death. You came really close this time. But if you're, if the old wife's tale is right, you just kill a student. <laughs> and if it's wrong, <laughs> as it would be because it's nonsense, you just wasted a lot of college's money. Like this college is paying you presumably to do this study. Like someone is paying for this study to learn nothing. I don't understand. It seems very risky for little. Well, I, I don't think there's a lot of oversight going on at that college. <laughs> uh, no. Then we have a credit sequence. Don't let it fool you. This movie's not as sexy as it's trying to make it seem. Because the credit sequence is like, it's like close-ups of like wet legs and wet torso and wet hair. Because it's uh, someone's in the tank, I guess. It's all red lit and like, but it's not. This is as sexy as it gets, so don't. <laughs> get your hopes up <laughs> yep. but a name we see in the credits which maybe sort of salvages this movie slightly Greg Nicotero doing this uh, the gore effects and whatnot, which have it, have their moments in the movie Not a lot of them aren't great but some of them are Yeah. and I think without that like if it was even cheaper looking like just throw the whole thing out you know <laughs> there's it's not uninteresting to look at the movie right you're just looking at nothing is the problem. Yeah, that's that was actually the one thing I was going to say in the favor of this film is that the the makeup and creature effects actually aren't bad. They they are better than what you would expect from a movie that is this movie. <laughs> Especially when you have people sort of cocooned up on the walls and they have like these pustules on them and then inside the pustules are like little baby alien things. Like that looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah definitely grossed me out yeah it is a gross movie in a lot of ways so after the credit sequence they're just all these students are just in a van driving through the desert headed somewhere they've picked up 
a driver named Dean who's played by Brian Thompson, who played the bounty hunt, the alien bounty hunter on X Files and Shao Kahn in the first Mortal Kombat, and you'd know him when you see him because nobody has a face like that. Yeah, a big beefcake guy <laughs> who is a lunatic in this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> and see, and I, I wonder if maybe his his performance was supposed to be a hint because. Like, he is just absolutely batshit. And then the one time you see him in what might be reality, he just seems like a normal guy. Yeah, he's just a lab coat guy who's, yeah. who's kind of nicely like, hey, are you all right after you got out of the water tank? <laughs> like, yeah, this, this guy... You likes him, actually, in real life. Yeah. In this, in this bulk of the movie, though, he's he swings from verbally abusing people... And mocking them to just hysterical laughter at nothing. Absolutely. He's, at one point, he's just driving down the road by himself in a van, just cackling like he has just taken over the world. Well, it's because he's probably just run over some animals, which is his favorite thing to do, <laughs> is run over animals with his van, which is uh, just psychotic. And there's there's a point where he turns around in his seat and, like, barks at them. He he's like makes this weird, like, <laughs> like at them for zero reason it made me severely <laughs> uncomfortable it's so fucking strange <laughs> they're headed to this desert town where there was irradiated water that has mutated the animals it's made all the people that used to live in this town have all sort of physical and mental defects they slip in brief talk of like and maybe ufos came here we don't know like what are you studying <laughs> i know your dream and researchers or something, but now you're going to this town. Are you studying the effects of nuclear radiation in the water table? Are you looking for UFOs? Are you looking for cryptids? I don't. What are you doing? Do you even yeah. know what you're doing? And the house that they go to that's built on a collapsed mine is maybe haunted, or maybe there's a demonic presence there. Yes. They just kind of took all the supernatural tropes and put them in a hat. And instead of drawing them out, they just dumped the hat on the table. Which and it's. Because it's dream logic, so you can have all this stuff mashed together and it doesn't have to make <laughs> right. sense. But we don't know that it's dream logic until we're done. So we spend 90 minutes just scratching your head going, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Dean loves making roadkill. Also, yeah, it's an Indian burial ground also maybe in this Yeah. Line. Like, there's so much stuff going on that they can't decide which is which. So we have Donna, who we met at the beginning. What did I say Linda? Her name is Kim. I was, was going to say that the whole yeah, time, but Kim. I was doubting myself. <laughs> you were doubting your own senses as you are watching it? Yeah. No, as you were saying Linda, I was like, maybe I was wrong. No, no, I'm thinking of a different thing I watched the other day. Yeah, it's Donna and Kim, and then Jack and Bill. Bill, Bill is sort of... Bill's kind of buddy-buddy with the professor and seems more kind of in it for the science. He's like the science nerd guy who's into Kim... In like a nice boy, polite way. Unlike Dean, who is into Kim in a very aggressive, I'm going to rub your leg, lets you and me get out of here and leave these nerds alone way. Yeah. But she like seems they, to be into both. Yeah. Like when they get there, everybody's getting out of the van and he like grabs her arm and is like, I want to see you tonight. Yeah. It's you and me. And she, she's kind of, yeah, she seems to like that, which I did not get at all. Uh -uh. I was like... That's the guy you knee in the nuts and run as fast as you can. No thanks, Goro. <laughs> the professor had... Yeah, here's where he does that weird pant and growl thing. At, which I guess is... I don't know what... Again, 
what that is. But he's supposed to drop them off and then go back and do something and come back and pick them up at the end of the night or whatever when they're done with whatever experiments they're running in this house. The professor's gone ahead to set things up. There's a gate that they have to get through to get sort of up the windy road to this house. A gate which is under the watchful eye of Wendell, <laughs> who is... Oh, man. So, last week's episode was yeah. about, was about an autistic couple starring autistic people. I had autistic guests on. It was a beautiful and lovely, great episode. The exact thing we were talking about doing right versus what this... I mean, look, it's 1990 or 88, whenever they filmed this. They just did whatever the hell they wanted to do. It was the Wild West. But to have this guy doing this gross impression of, like, a mentally handicapped person is wild. Yeah. I mean, it makes Tom Hanks's Forrest Gump seem measured, and <laughs> like it is out of bounds. This guy's yeah, but honestly, I mean, thinking back, it's not like there wasn't a lot of this in movies back then. Oh, absolutely, it, it happened all the fucking time. <laughs> it just felt but after last week, watching it now, I'm like a yeah. red alert for it, you know. So it was like this yeah. is bad, woof. And I don't understand what the thing because. The professor has given Dean because Dean has a key to this gate that he opens himself, right? When the when they first get there and Wendell's not there. No, he he jumps the he fence jumps and goes the into the gatehouse and gets the keys. Oh, that's what it is. And Wendell's, Wendell's hiding from him. Somewhere. Dude. Yeah, Wendell's hiding with his box of dry cornflakes that he walks around <laughs> eating. And I'm not gonna. I mean, you kind of have to see to leave it. I'm not going to do an impression of the impression he's no. doing. But um, no, oh yeah, god, it's bad news. Presumably, he's been a victim of this town's irradiated water, water and yeah it's a, just a very unfortunate performance <laughs> yeah they give him like f- five lines that he just says over and over yeah it's like wendell answers the phone wendell he's you know he speaks in the third person wendell calls the house wendell feeds the animals like four lines hmm. yeah it's bad news so they get to the house and they start de-gauzing it which is like going around and checking and eliminating any sort of excess kind of magnetic magnetic energy that's hanging around so that it doesn't disrupt their instruments or whatever okay i was gonna ask what that was because i i had no clue what they were doing and they did it like nine times yeah they did that was most <laughs> a lot of, of this scientific... film it was taken up by this degaussing thing yeah and they don't explain it they just say let's go degauss the house and they don't tell you what that means yeah they just so. start rattling off numbers 85 76 62 yeah. 95 and they think and they all sound like good levels every time they're like oh really <laughs> yeah i don't oh, know yeah. what that means so i guess we're good to go but it must be because you, you don't actually see them eliminating any excess electromagnetic energy so i guess they're just measuring it so they're sitting around in a circle they've got a polaroid camera set up they have all kinds of equipment set up the polaroid starts going off and turning around and taking pictures of everybody we get more green light pouring out of the fireplace. A literal cartoon comes out. It's, yeah, the, it reminded me of a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. ectoplasm snake with kaleidoscope vision. But it, yeah, it's literally a hand-drawn animated cartoon ectoplasm glowing green snake that comes out of this fireplace. <laughs> and it, stand, it looks like trash. Which is weird because... I mean, who knows how budget things go in time and or whatever, but later on in the movie, we have, like, a puppet ectoplasm snake. Yeah. The, the, that they the, should have used the for the whole movie. Stuff that actually didn't look horrible. No. But I suppose for some shots, it would you, you couldn't have made it work or whatever, but this cartoon does not look good. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be less 
a part of the room these people are in you know it's not like roger rabbit where you're like wow they mixed those together pretty well like no this is but it all turns out somehow to be set up by the professor to test their metal i guess or their loyalty or something the doctor's motivations go all over the place too but yeah he set up the equipment malfunctions and the camera going off and all this stuff just to see if anyone would freak out and run away or whatever but i guess he didn't do the snake so he doesn't know what that is either right he says but you never know with him but yeah supposedly there's a demonic entity that lives in the mine under this house that's going to cause paranoia and cause them all to have hallucinations but they all saw the same thing so it's like well how could we all have sort of group hypnosis and he also can't explain the camera the camera took like close-up pictures of everybody that are kind of creepy looking and so he sends the students back out to do whatever i guess they're back to degaussing and there's a it's well it's old man yells at clouds but it's old man yells at chandelier he's sitting at the table and the <laughs> chandelier starts swinging he looks up and i don't remember what he says but he's like i'm not scared of you at this chandelier it's yeah funny. um up in the attic there's a ghost boy oh yeah like oh little... yeah because they we forgot or we just skipped over because it's not important really but none of it is go ahead <laughs> when they when they were driving up to the place there's a scene that's just kind of thrown in where they're stopped on the side of the road and dean is changing a tire which we never see blow we never see no. like the tire popped and they had to pull over they're just he's just changing a tire and while he's doing that kim is telling him the story of the the house that they're going to was owned by this rich mine owner who wound up screwing the town and the water got poisoned and he built his house on top of what was left of the mine and like he had they used to joke that he had the world's biggest basement and stuff and then one day there was an earthquake and parts of the house collapsed and a young kid was killed which they must so be because we, we don't see any collapsed parts no. of the house or anything <laughs> only um, in yeah because like when they're in the room the roof is fine the room is whole but then they they turn around there's this little ghost boy there and he's like daddy can i leave now he's sitting in this chair and then it like they quick cut to the people looking at him and they cut back and it's like the little boy is on the floor under a pile of burnt timber and his head's crushed in so the roof collapsed but then they rebuilt the roof I, i don't know and didn't clean up his bloody handprints right. from the floor. But <laughs> a rat is licking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of shots, and they'll, I guess they'll sort of become important later, but there's lots of shots, just random shots of bugs on things. Like, oh, there's a cricket on a pipe, and there's a, because bugs will mm-hmm. be a big motif later, but that doesn't mean much until then. So they go down to the basement. Here's where I'm out, if I'm one of these kids. Because the professor's like, hey, I'm going to handcuff every... We're going to stand in a circle around this pentagram with a candle in the middle. Weird stuff has already happened. Donna had to beat an ectoplasm snake to death with her purse. But we're going to all... We're all going to be handcuffed so we can't run away. <laughs> Including me. Professor's going to handcuff himself too. Which, by the way... How do you get out of that? How, how did that work? I he managed to handcuff both of his own hands. <laughs> and then get out of them. Immediately. When it was over. Yeah. How... Is he Houdini? What is going on with this guy? I was like, how do you crucify yourself? Because how do you put that last nail in? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? But again, it's just another one of his tricks. Because they've done no actual work. No actual experimenting. So far, two experiments in, it's just been the professor goofing on these kids to make sure they're not going to like run and tell faculty or something what they're doing. But you're not doing anything yet. You're just messing with their heads. 
Which maybe that's the experiment. I'm testing the mental pressures on these students when I throw... Who knows? But I'm not again, actually getting during, any work done. But again, during this experiment, the, the ectoplasm shows up, which is not part of his setup. It turns into like a big whirlwind in the middle of the room and starts going towards each of them. And like the professor's like, no, come to me. And the one guy is like, get away from me. And they all have different reactions. And then it disappears, which is not part of his setup. But at the same time, when it's over, he's just like, okay, let's go about our business. He, I mean, he doesn't seem to react to it like he's just discovered this huge paranormal thing. No, we never know what his real sort of deal is. And I don't understand what the student's deal is either. Because, yeah, when the handcuffs come out, I'll take the C minus. See you, buddy. I'm walking <laughs> home. Like, not a chance. <laughs> and it's after that. So he leaves them chained up. He slaps Jack in the face. Like, here's where we see he's really, this guy's gone over some sort of edge. Because, yeah, Jack's complaining. He slaps him hard in the face. Bill is saying that he's been kicked out of three universities and that he got a student killed doing this one time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I guess he's kind of the villain of the piece. Bill starts objecting to what's going on. And then we see, yeah, here's where we learn it's just another trick. Because this guy, Stanley, comes out of the, because the floor was like bucklet. Like, there's like a trap door in the floor. That was like bouncing up and down, ghost-like. But no, it's just Stanley, this big, bald <laughs> goon who also has, you know, mental problems, who comes up out of the floor because the doctor, the professor hired him to help him pull off these tricks. So, so what do you do? Like, you came ahead to this town, you hired this goon, but they have some sort of formal relationship because Stanley has like burn marks on his neck. And the doctor refers to it as like, oh, you messed up. You're going to need more therapy. And he kind of rubs yeah. the burn marks and like it's like the thing you've seen where they like they shock you in the neck. Mm -hmm. You're going to I keep cutting you off. You're gonna say something. No, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm mostly soaking it in and just reflecting. <laughs> but I just kept getting the impression that they spent a lot more time at this abandoned house that then than this doctor let on. Like Stanley lived in the basement and he just. That's where they did their business. But supposedly that's not the case. Like, they're not from there. Or maybe Stanley's a leftover from the last time he did this and got a student killed. I don't know. But, so Bill starts objecting, which turns out to be an act too, because God forbid anything matter. And the professor just walks up and stabs Bill in the guts and has Stanley drag his body away. Before he's even dead. Yeah, yeah he's still he, kind of, like, looking at his friends like, help me. He uses the phrase, get rid of the body, and he's clearly still alive. Yeah, he is not. He's, dead. like, blinking and looking around. <laughs> but he and, goes and dumps him in, like, some glowing green pit, which doesn't make any sense later when we find out Bill is alive and in on this. So you could have just taken him out of sight and been like, hey, good job, buddy. Go stand over there. You don't have to dump him in a pit. <laughs> Who knows, man? Yeah, and I I had written in my notes here just because it was all I could think about as soon as Stanley entered this film. It, he is, he's like Tor Johnson to the professor's Bella Lugosi. Yeah. I kept expecting him to say, time for go to bed. Yeah, he's got real Tor <laughs> vibes for sure. <laughs> I I've have a he's probably played this kind of part in a bunch of different movies. Yeah, I did notice I have seen him before. He was uh, the in the latest season of Mystery Science Theater. They did a movie called Star Crash, and he was a pretty big part in that movie. Makes sense. Makes sense. Hey, remember Dean? Everybody, he's still in this movie. <laughs> you forgot, but he is. 
He's driving around laughing like a lunatic. Still kicking. Like, that's what he does with his day. Like, I'm going to drop these people off. I'm going to run and get a soda. Then what should I do? I've got like six hours to kill. I'm just going to drive around the desert and run over animals. Not a lot on his plate, I guess, this dean. So the professor's off doing who knows what. And Stanley, the students are still handcuffed to poles. And Stanley comes over and cuts one of Jack's fingers off. Like, for realsies. Not like, haha, yeah. this is part of the thing. Like, he cuts his finger off. And now it's like, okay, this is... Has this gone too far or is this part of the... You don't know. <laughs> it feels like it's gone too far because the professor when he comes back he's not happy about it either well donna throws up and then he's gonna punish donna because he's like you made a mess i can't believe you puked on the floor now i gotta you have to be punished and goes in the other room and brings out a contraption i don't want to know what this thing does i wrote wtf machine (laughs) it is a wtf machine because it's got like eight different kinds of tubes coming off of it and i don't know what this is gonna do to her luckily we never find out yeah, and like he, the preparation for this machine was he spreads her legs by tying them to the, the posts beside her. So I'm so very glad that he gets interrupted and we never find out yeah. what that thing is for. No, thank you. And then, so the doctor unlocks everybody and it's like, and they just go back to degaussing the house as if nothing has happened. Jack has a missing yeah. finger that's bleeding and he has his hand wrapped up. And Donna and Jack are up in a room with the professor. Knock this man out. He's an old man. Because Stanley and Kim have gone off to Degas in another room, and she manages to trick him and start to get away. What's your excuse? I mean, they have the old man's, like, the professor's, like, looking in the little mirror behind him to make sure they're not, like, but so what? He's a 70-year-old man. You can knock him out. And Jack, it seems way, way too okay with everything that's going on. Like, every once in a while, he's like, ooh, my hand kind of hurts. No. No, you leave. They just cut your finger off. Go. (laughs) Even if you have to walk home, go. Yeah, Stanley's not in the room with you. It's a big house. Push this old man down and run away. <laughs> but again, it's dream logic, so it doesn't have to make any sense. Well, and then by the time they meet back with Kim again, they're like, the doctor will explain everything. It's like, <laughs> what turn did we take? What made it okay again? Yeah, we drank some Kool-Aid <laughs> here. And considering this is supposedly all part of kim's dream it's weird how much time kim spends as a background character in in her own dream it feels like donna and jack are the stars of this movie and then it takes a turn where now kim is the star of the movie which makes sense because it's her dream but for a lot of it she's not even around (laughs) she's in another room not taking part in the action even for dream logic this this crap makes no sense there are so many scenes they're like scenes with dean off by himself and scenes with the others in the basement that she's not even in. She wouldn't have the perspective on what's happening to these people. Well, you can have a dream of stuff happening that you're not in, but like, but why well, would you? Yeah. <laughs> Especially but if I the mean... entire goal of this experiment is to project your own death, whatever that means, and it's lucid dreaming that you can control your own dreams. Why would you take a back seat and like, <laughs> yeah. we're going to focus on Don and Jack for the next half hour and not, I don't know, who knows, man. This is real. You're going to find yourself saying who knows a lot. So now we have Kim versus Stanley, who she tricks very easily. She's like, oh, this machine doesn't seem to be working. Check it out. And he's like, the doctor says not to touch the machine. She's like, no, but I need help, though, because she took the batteries out or something. And he's holding it so up to his face to look at it because he's a big idiot that he can't see her sort of sneak out of the room for about two seconds. And he runs up to the door and the doorknob just comes off, which I don't know if she did that on her way out or if he's just so mutant strong that he ripped mm. it off. But he winds up having to kick the door down and the chase is on. It's Kim versus Stanley. She does the old curl up trip 
trip trick, which is yeah. pretty sweet. She like starts running on the stairs and halfway down, like just curls up in a ball so that he trips on her on his way down the stairs. Pretty clever. Donna's having yeah, Donna has a hallucination where Jack puts a box full of spiders on her head. Nightmare box. Nightmare box, yes. But she leaves her mouth hanging open for spiders to climb. Like, close your mouth. Yeah, I shouted, I shouted at the TV. I was like, yeah, leave your mouth. Open it wider. Open it wider. Well, I think the, the point was supposed to be she was, like, screaming and no sound was coming out. But that's not what it looked like. It just looked like she was holding her mouth open. With her tongue curled up. Yeah, it didn't look like someone screaming. It was just... Yeah, it looked like it yeah. was lunchtime at the spider buffet, and I'm yeah. open for business. Like, <laughs> But it's just a hallucination, and she's sort of yelling at Jack, like, I was calling for you, why didn't you hear me? And he's like, I was right over here, I didn't hear anything, so I don't know what you're talking about. But we don't know until she's... We don't know that she's imagining things until she sort of snaps out of it. So, so Kim has gotten away from Stanley, she gets the phone, she calls Wendell, who's not helpful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit that, and I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I did actually laugh at his performance at one point in this thing where he, he picks up the phone and she's screaming, is, is somebody there? And he just kind of like, he like nods into the phone. <laughs> and I, I did burst out laughing at that. I'm like, oh. I thought that was funny too. I think, I think we're still good people for that. <laughs> good, good. I was worried. Yeah, she hits... Stanley, she clearly missed Stanley with this stick that she hit him with earlier. Like, you can see her miss him by a mile. Like, he's out of frame, but where she swings is nowhere near where his head would be. So she might have missed with that stick, but when he comes back, she does not miss with this phone because she is ravaging this man's face with this for real. I mean, maybe the phone was made of foam, but she connects solidly with his forehead six or seven times. I hope it was a fake phone because she hits him a lot with this bug. So Kim gets out of the house, flees from a dog that came out of nowhere. Suddenly there's a dog and flees into the mine. And by mine, I mean a room wrapped in tinfoil. Yeah, nice. I I just love how much you could tell that the cave yeah. walls were made of paper. <laughs> like, it's clearly paper and tinfoil. There's holes in it. The green light is shining through. Like, well, where's this light coming from? You're underground. It's a dream, yeah, so it doesn't like, matter, so don't I, ask. I get they made the shiny walls for the shots with the green light so it would reflect and look all cool, but for the shots when it's just normal lighting, they should have used something else because it's very clearly, like, tinfoil. And the, no cave is made out of tinfoil. No, that would be a bad cave. <laughs> it would crush under its own weight. So she finds Bill, who's alive and... Well, I was going to say alive and well. He's not well, <laughs> but he's alive, and he explains to her that, like, no, I was in on that part too. He didn't like he didn't really stab me. Everything's fine. And I guess I've just been hanging out in his mind for no reason. And here's where we have, yeah, real change one of two. Which is I still can't believe they didn't cut out of here. It's crazy. And Kim explains she Kim has decided of her own volition and with zero evidence that the professor is an alien who's been sent here to dissect human beings, and she announces this to Bill. Being pig headed has gotten him in trouble before. Look. That it's gonna sound crazy, but you know what we learned about the UFO reports the magnetism, the mutant animals, the deformed human beings. Well, the doctor may be a scientist, all right, Bill, but his job is to dissect and study human beings. I am sure of it. Remember, Kim, the doctor thinks that one side effect of the entity summoning is an attack on our reasoning process. Of course, he said that. That is the easiest way to get us to believe 
The evidence was right in front of our noses. Of what evidence? That the doctor is an alien. For God's sakes, don't be so thick. The doctor is an alien. And because, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, I forgot, because so much mumbo jumbo is going on, I forgot that the they can possibly be having hallucinations and be super paranoid, which is what's seems to be what's happening to Kim. But I forgot all that, so I just thought she has just up and decided that, like, despite all evidence to the contrary, aliens are involved in this somehow. Well, I found myself in when that happened. I was like, did I miss something? Maybe. Oh, they missed something. They missed something. I don't think something. you did, though. <laughs> they might have forgot to shoot a couple pages of script or something, but uh, it wasn't you. Dog ate their homework. <laughs> it feels like, yeah, the script guy was running up to the director's door and, like, tripped and fell and all his pages went all over and he had oh no we had to grab him with the wind and just like throw him and then the, the director came out and was like give me that and the pages were all out of order because it doesn't matter and bill shows yeah. her yeah all these cocooned people that are on the wall so proves proving that she's correct about the aliens despite his denial of it he's like well you're kind of right and let me show you something i found this and yeah he takes her into the room and then he's like yep it's aliens but they're not just here to dissect people. We're using you to breed. And he starts acting all alieny, like he's been taken over. And then his arm falls off. <laughs> his arm falls off, and there's a baby alien growing in like the joint of his elbow. Yeah, and the <coughs> arm falling off thing is kind of cool actually, because it's not like a dramatic yeah. like she hits him in his arm. Like he's just standing there, and you see movement under his sleeve, and his arm just slides out uh. of his sleeve onto the floor. <laughs> And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> she beats him to death with, well, death, with a flashlight. And then this, this is what made me laugh. This is the funniest moment. She beats him with this flashlight and then turns face first and runs into these boards <laughs> and knocks herself out. <laughs> and it looked so good that I almost wondered if it was a blooper, that it wasn't supposed to be in there. Because <laughs> it's just, it's timed so well where she just turns and just face first into these boards that she wasn't looking for. <laughs> It was pretty funny. Yeah, and his head splits open and bugs start pouring out of it. Not like alien bugs, just cockroaches. Yeah. It's a pretty decent effect, I guess. Kim wakes up, because Kim has now become the star of this movie. Who knows what Donna and Jack are doing? <laughs> Kim wakes up in a dry ice fog and feeling very sexy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wrote, she's getting pretty personal with that ghost fog. Because yeah. she's just laying yeah. in this fog, opening her own shirt, rubbing herself. Because there was mention... At the beginning, when they were talking about, like, oh, you almost projected your own death, but not quite. And Bill was like, oh, and this didn't have a sexual component or a sexual aspect that dreams usually do. So it's like a, some kind of psychosexual thing. And sex and death are linked, blah, blah, blah. But for us as viewers, it's just her. She's just cracked her friend's head open with. She's found <laughs> cocoon alien people. Her friend's arm fell off. She beat him to death with a flashlight, knocked herself out, and then woke up horny. <laughs> Yeah. Like just... oh, and she, like, she's muttering to herself and she says something about, oh, I'm sorry, Professor, I lost control of my dream again. Which yes. you don't know if, if that means, like, she's dreaming that she's dreaming in while she's waking up or she's actually come to realize in this moment that this is all a dream and she's trying to get back control of it. Don't really know. Yeah, it's the first legit clue that we had. Because you could be like, oh, she just woke up from knocking herself out and she's just mumbling incoherently to herself but it's probably actually her in the water tank speaking to the room you know yeah. of observers 
oh, I let it drift into sexual stuff, which is what we're trying to avoid. Let's get back on track, you know, which is yeah, kind and of clever, this... except you don't know that that's what it means until you're all done. Yeah. It's only in hindsight that you can look at that and go, oh, okay, that's what that was about. Otherwise, it just seems like she's rambling to herself. And she has this little snippet of dream within a dream that honestly was the, the thing in this film that made me cringe the most. Oh, yeah. Because it was just such a awkward... She sees Donna, like, and it looks like the background where she was at the party in her dream. It's like yeah. trees and stuff behind her. And she's got like a see-through shirt on. And she says, I've got it written down here. She says, yeah. you're not going to suck that icky thing, are you? And that's it. Like, And she comes out of it. And that line just made me go, oh, what? That's random and doesn't need to be here. No. I was like, what a toxic friend. <laughs> How judgmental. Yeah, let her suck that icky thing if she wants to. None of your goddamn business. But, yeah, so that's a dream inside of a dream inside of a... It's like dream to the fifth power. <laughs> I was going to say cubed, but there's way more than that. It's crapception. It, it is. But that's the difference. Is something like Inception, a good chunk of which... Not all of it takes place inside of a dream, but a good chunk of it does... But there are stakes in the outside world. If we don't do this, if we don't wake up, this is going to happen, you know? And this mm -hmm. does not have that at all. But she could get a C or a C minus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I have that exact quote down written down too. It's also during that the um her seeing Donna in the see through top and the girls line where we see a boom mic come into the top of the shot, so that's great too. <laughs> Um, yes. Oh, hey, everybody. Dean is still in this movie. <laughs> I know you forgot, because I did, but he is. He's come back now. He's, he's like on his way back now to pick them up because it's that time of night. And he finds Wendell has hung himself, it seems, but we see his back in a way that Dean doesn't, where we see the mutation things kind of growing on him. And he seems, at first, he's angry at Dean <laughs> or at Wendell, but then he's kind of like, eh. You weren't so bad. Yeah, he he mood swings real hard. He does all throughout his performance, and, and yeah. like he he goes over to Wendell's fridge and opens it, and there's like part of a woman's torso in there, and he just kind of shrugs it off. He's like, "Oh, that stinks," and closes the door. Not, "Hey, this guy has body parts in his fridge." Just kind of, "Oh, that's gross." Yeah, which is the because then that's a whole nother movie. We have our demonic entity movie. We have our aliens movie. We have our dream machine movie. We have our and now we have the cannibal, the hills have eyes people movie, and they're all smushed together, which, and again, but and they can just go, oh, it's all a dream, so it's fine. But we right. don't know that when we're watching it, so it just seems like hogwash. Yeah, the entire movie really did give me a hills have eyes vibe. I. With the desert and the something in the water. And then Wendell with his torso in the fridge. Like, how did he get it? To, is he smarter than we think he is? Well, we'll never find out. No, we he's, won't. he's we dead won't. now. Rest in peace. And it's here that we have real change number two. Yeah, it's just like the cigarette burn comes up on screen. And then there's like the blank um, frames with like the squiggly, like the right. It's what you yeah, would and have like at the, the end of a reel when you have to. Like the countdown three, four, the boop, boop. Which you wouldn't even, if you saw this in the theater, you wouldn't even see because, and I can tell you because I used to be a projectionist, you trim that shit off and slice it together so the audience never sees that. But I'm watching it on Amazon Prime and it's there. So you <laughs> fucked up. 
So now Dean, I guess, knows I got to get up to the house in a hurry. So he's driving in the dark, super fast, yelling at nothing. He is, <laughs> he hears a bumping on the roof of the car, to which he responds, "Hey, get off my car!" and starts <laughs> punching the roof. Like, what do you think's up there, man? It's not a guy. It's not a rat. It's nothing yeah, that's going like, to listen to your instructions. And honestly, he just seems kind of mildly annoyed. Like, he was more pissed off at Wendell for not being there when he wanted the gate open than this thing being on the roof of his truck. He's like, he's like hey, get off my roof. And he also says, <laughs> you, you hear his sort of screeching tires as he's fast taking these curves on the winding road. But he says... You gotta scream louder than that to whatever's on the roof, which yeah. was not screaming at all. <laughs> was in fact, other than bumping, making no sound. So Dean's got his own issues going on. He still has time though to try to run this dog over. <laughs> Cause this is a man who knows what he likes. And that's killing animals. And that's killing animals. Yeah, and here we have the non-cartoon ecto snake. It's like a yeah, it's like a puppet. It's like a glowing green. It looks actually kinda cool. Slimy that they made out of rubber or something, which you wish they would have, could have used in the rest of the movie because it looks a lot better than that cartoon does. So Jack and Donna have made their way. Who knows what the professor's doing at this point, but Jack and Donna have made their way to the mine and run across Kim. And Kim is trying to explain to them, like, oh, you know, her whole alien thesis, which is, I guess, proven now. And Jack has a moment where he sees he's kind of, like, taking it easy on the ground because he's, he's been bleeding from his finger for the last however long and he sees them he's hallucinating now he sees them as like these slimy mutants yeah which are kind of cool looking except they don't move like you don't like see it like their mouths aren't moving when they're talking they're just like statues so that's definitely a budget thing yeah yeah and they're trying to explain to kim and also to me because i forgot that remember the doctor the professor said this entity this demonic entity that lives in the mind causes hallucinations and paranoia so that's what's going on with you there aren't really aliens she's like bullshit i will show you like <laughs> i beat bill's head in with a flashlight well no it's a really weird dialogue exchange because donna kim says and i hit bill in the head and donna's like with what like that matters and she's like with, the, <laughs> with this flashlight like what does it matter what you hit him with like a board? It doesn't make any difference. You still hit him. That wouldn't be my question. It would be, oh, where is he? Did you kill him? Are there bugs coming out of his head? So her sort of uh, John Carpenter's The Thing test to prove, like, no, I'm not an alien. You can trust me is to, like, cut me because the alien, aliens don't bleed, right? I guess. We know that. <laughs> so she gives her this dull screwdriver to, like, cut her hand with, which would cut nothing. And give you lots of diseases, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope you all got your tetanus shot, because this whole environment is bad news. I did actually laugh at the line, though, where they're like, okay, this is the test, and she's and she turns to Mark, and he's like, we gotta show her that we can bleed. And he's like, more than this? And yeah. holds up his bloody finger stuff. <laughs> Good point, Jack. Good point. Which, again, why have you not left? I mean, I guess you're like, we gotta go find Kim and Bill. But right. now you have found Kim fucking leave why are you going further into this mine why are you having a conversation with the possibly crazy girl throw her over your shoulder get the fuck out of here before the doctor and stanley come back yeah you're gluttons for punishment and you're doing this to yourself just leave cartoon snake is back is chasing them down the tunnel well, i guess the professor's here with them at this point yeah he, came out he shows up and he's like pissed that they're he's he's like berating them he's like you're messing up my chance to see the greatest scientific find I'm ever going to see in my life. 
and like completely forgetting about everything he's put them through or yes. that they should be angry with him and want to leave. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and also, what are you, if your whole thing is, I know there are aliens in this mine and I need to go check it out. Why all the pretense of bringing these students and putting on these fake occult ceremonies? Just go down in the goddamn mine and look for the aliens. Why are you messing well, see, with all this I other don't... stuff? <laughs> I don't think he does. I think he, at this point in the dream or whatever, he's still insisting that it's a demonic entity because he takes them to the foot of the ladder up to the basement and he's drawn another oh, tentacle yeah. in, in salt on the ground or powder or whatever it is. And he's like, we're going to stand here. We're going to do this thing again. Yeah. So Kim escapes again. She gets up the ladder before the green cartoon snake grabs everybody. She finds Dean in a room of the house, limbless. He's just, like, sitting on a table, and his arms and legs are gone, and these things are growing out of his back. And then she gets all huggy on him when she's been the one saying, like, if you touch them, they'll start laying eggs on you. And now she's just touching him everywhere on his limbless body covered in aliens. So gross. It's gross. gross. Yeah, so she leaves him, runs out to the van, and gets in it. And then Puppet Snake returns and drives her off a cliff. Like, it just comes in through the sunroof or whatever and, like, wraps around her, her arm and her neck on these windy roads. She can't handle it. And, run, is going to drive off. We don't actually see her drive off a cliff because they couldn't afford to throw this van off a cliff. <laughs> but you, you get the idea. And it's at this point, yeah, she wakes up. We're back in the lab. She's in the water tank in a see-through shirt, which, again, why bother? Yeah, and it's here that it's like, oh, okay, so this was all Kim's dream i guess and then she walks she's like i don't need i don't need a good grade enough for this this was too much because she yeah, actually managed to pro project her own death she died in her dream which yeah was and the she's goal clearly like horribly traumatized like she's barely moving barely making eye contact or speaking she's like Ooh. she's messed up now yes as anybody would be after yeah. probably <laughs> that vivid of an experience and if this traumatizing and if that was it you'd be like all right i don't like it i don't like that everything i just watched was a dream but okay at least we have something here now that's grounded in reality ish but no because this is a dream too because she goes to leave and it's kind of cool she opens the door and there's another door behind it and she opens that door and there's another door behind it and you're like oh god no and then she opens the last door and donna's like hung up in like a cocoon thing with the green light behind her and then well, and there's a real Wizard of Oz, like, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there moment, because Stanley, who's actually a cop at the university, comes in, and Wendell, who's the janitor, and talks normal, they come in, like, hey, Doc, experiment's still going? <laughs> like, it's a real, yeah. like, anti-M bullshit. And Dean's there, and I don't know what he's supposed to be. He almost looked to me like he was dressed like a pilot, but with his jacket off. Like, he had that tie and, like, white shirt, and he, I don't know what his deal was, what he was supposed to be. Well, in the dream, he's just some rando, but here in, well, also a dream, but reality, he's, I think he's just one of the other grad students, because he has, like, a pad oh, okay. coat on, just like everybody else does. Mm -hmm. Okay. So why she assigned him to, I guess, because maybe she's attracted to him, or animal magnetism, or whatever, why she in the dream assigned him to be this lunatic who drives around killing <laughs> animals? Who knows? It's dream logic, so don't ask questions. Yeah, and Stanley, the cop, comes up and shuts her in this behind this door and then you hear her saying in like voiceover like something about like no this is still a dream stanley wake up stanley wake up yeah she so says this is what is she's... stanley she says dream? i 
she says, I thought this was my dream as she's opening the doors. Then when he closes them, she says, let me out of this dream. Wake up, Stanley, wake up. And he's like smiling at the camera and humming his little jaunty tune. And then the lights just kind of go down and it's over. Whatever. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to take from this? Yeah, and, and that, I mean, it leaves me with the question was, of was any of this anything? Was there was there ever a college with experiments? Or is this just some crazy guy named Stanley's dream because he's a psycho and he dreams about torturing people? Don't know. None of it lines up. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I can't find any meaning. <laughs> and that's the issue, is that you're left with a handful of nothing when you're done. There's nothing to grasp onto. There's nothing... If it were a straightforward movie, as sort of bungled and confused as it is, there's something there. Like, they go to, oh, we're going to go look at this haunted house, and it turns out, shit, it's not haunted, it's aliens. You know? That's something. But when literally not one second of this film is real, it's all someone's dream. Someone who we don't even really know, because Stanley's very much a side side character. We don't know if he... He's not a grad student. Is he, like, their guinea pig? Like, what? Who knows? It answers no... And I don't need everything, hand like, you know, spelled out for me, necessarily. But you have to give me something. And this gives you nothing. Yeah, it was like they just so desperately wanted to have one last little twist at the end. Like, if, if they had just left it at, okay, no, this is a dream, too, and she never really woke up, I still could have been okay with it. But throwing in that it's Stanley's dream just just chucks the whole thing in the bin. It makes no sense. If it was just still her dream and she never woke up, fine. That's great. But this is just dumb. It, it simply left me feeling uncomfortable at the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have spent an hour and a half watching that guy's dream. No. I don't want to be in his head. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. But usually at the end of a 90-minute, you can... there's. Yeah, like I said, there's something to grasp onto. There's something to look back and, but you can't relate to anything. You can't empathize with anything. You can't because none of it happened. None of it's, you know. It's like somebody went on for an hour and a half to tell me a really elaborate story, just to give me a punchline at the end. Like, just kidding. It was all fake. Ha ha ha. April Fools. Like, no. It would be like if. A complete stranger and a really creepy one came up on to, came up to you on the street and spent ninety minutes following you and telling you about a dream they had. <laughs> but you don't you have no contact because you don't know yeah. this person. You don't want to talk to them, and you shouldn't have to listen to the dreams of anyone that you're not sleeping with. That's my idea. That's my theory. Because <laughs> that's the or worst. Or isn't paying you hourly to do so? When people, yeah, who's not your shrink or your lover? Because no one else, no one cares. I don't care how interesting you think your dream was. It's not. It's interesting to you. <laughs> That's Nightwish from 1990. It's not good. Bet this has a cult following, though. I bet there are people who really, really like this. I'm sure. I, I'm almost positive because I, I wanted to have an image to put with the link when we post this. When I post this on my Instagram tomorrow or whenever this goes up. So I went looking for Nightwish images. And it's not like there's just like a couple of the poster. They've got tons and tons of images from all parts of the movie. So somebody in large groups has watched this movie many times. <laughs> I hope they're okay. <laughs> I hope they're okay. Yeah, it's definitely the kind of movie I could see getting a following. It's just not not for me, man. It's not. There's things to like the Nicotero. The effects stuff is pretty good. 
Yeah. But also, like, none of the performances are very good, you know? The, ad- the acting's not great either. I thought Kim's outfits oh, were really cute. Well, there's that. But that's about <laughs> it. They were they were 80s cute. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I when I saw Brian Thompson was in this, I was like, okay, there's somebody I've heard of who I've seen act well in other things, but he was almost the worst performance of the movie, which is mm. saying a lot. Well, or kind of the best, because everyone's a bit unhinged. He's the only one who's not hiding it. Oh, that's true. You know? I think about it like that. Which, I mean, he knows he gets the assignment, as they say. <laughs> like he, he, he might be the only person in this movie who understands what movie he's in. That Oh, yeah. And there's yeah, something to be said that way, for that. No, he's not. That's he's true. Not great, but I feel like he at least is getting close to what they were shooting for, and I don't know <laughs> if anyone else did, so... Yeah, his his character definitely disgusted me, and I think that means he succeeded. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, and in his way, he's the most interesting character in the movie, which is why it sucks that he gets sent off and you don't see him for twenty minute stretches. Because at least I don't like I don't I don't like this character. He worries me greatly. <laughs> but everyone else is just a bland, you know. Oh, doctor, I need college credit. Why do we have to do, you know? And the doctor's like a mustache twirly level cartoon villain. Whereas Dean, you're like, what is this guy's deal? I want to know more about that guy. I don't care about any of these other people. I get them. Who hurt him? They're not interesting. (laughs) This guy. Something's going on with this guy. and We need to get to the bottom of it. Give me half an hour more of this. What's his home life like? (laughs) You know? I th- I'm pretty sure his home life is that van. <laughs> Could be. That's that's where he lives. But yeah, like none of the other characters in the movie can even stick to their guns as to what their character is or who they're what they want. It's like there's three or four scenes of Donna being like, "This is crazy. I hate you, Professor. You're an asshole. We need to leave." And then two minutes later, she's just doing whatever he says. Yeah. They can't make up their mind, really. Well, and then that's part of the problem is they don't have to because they can just go, oh, it was all a dream, so don't worry about it. Well, I do worry about it because things have to make some level of sense, even for dream logic. Dream logic is still a form of logic, and nothing is logical in this whatsoever. Yeah, so. I, I will say, though, there was one moment, one instance of the like the dream logic thing that actually felt like it fit and almost kind of creeped me out was when she wakes up at the end and they're in the thing and you're supposed to be thinking, okay, she's awake now. And the, the doctor, the professor and the other and Jack start talking to her. They're telling her this little bit of philosophy about a man goes to sleep and dreams. He's a butterfly or something like that. And like, they're finishing each other's sentences. Like they're sharing a mind or something. And that was actually kind of creepy to me for a second. I was like, oh, this is this is creepy dream stuff I would dream in a nightmare. I didn't even notice that. That's a good catch. I mean, I know I caught that dialogue, but I didn't notice that they were yeah. finishing another sentence like that. So, But that's way back at the beginning, right? No, that, that happens the at the end when, when she wakes up. That's right. So but yeah, it's not a, that being said, not that's the loss. only moment. Yeah. <laughs> but pretty not great. It's that time of the episode when I push the magic button to find out what Next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. And it is. Intruder. It is on Tubi. Not Intruders or The Intruder. Those are movies I know of. Intruder. 
from 1989. Looks like a slasher movie set in a supermarket. That could be fun. How have I never heard of this? That's crazy. Anyway, so Intruder. It's on Tubi. That's your homework for next week. Should you choose to accept it. This was Nightwish. This was Piper Van Steenwick. Thank you for having me. Yes, where can people find you? Well, my Instagram is Piper getting my Van Steenwick. And on Twitter, you can find me at Piper get in my van, I believe. I believe that's correct. You, sir? I mostly just uh, on Twitter, I'm at nerd underscore shirt. Uh, Instagram, I'm at Project Nerd Shirt, and I think I'm the same on uh, Facebook. And that's pretty much it. It was nice getting to do one of these with you finally, Piper. Yes, uh, of course. We hadn't talked before. Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, at Heath Lambert, 78, on Twitter. The show is at That's So Random P2. Rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the email. The show has an email. That's a random pod at gmail.com. Questions? concerns insults i'll take what you got i'll be emailing you some insults please do i'll read them on <laughs> um and that'll do it for this week next week once again intruder on tubi hopefully you find the right one because there's a lot of different movies called intruder i have a feeling but uh that'll do it for this week for me and and me and me all of you uh have a good week everyone goodbye <laughs>